G'day guys, thanks for listening to the Noob Spiro podcast today and joining the illustrious Turbo and I in studio. Now, I don't know about you, but I love to save money on spearfishing equipment. When I want to buy a spear gun, there's nothing I like better than saving $20. That's right, you can use the code noobspiro at spearfishing.com.au to save $20 on all purchases over $200. That goes along with cheap shipping worldwide and a 90-day no-hassles returns policy. You can also visit Adreno in their physical stores in Melbourne, Sydney or Brisbane. Check out a huge range of equipment and get advice from more than 60 underwater equipment experts. That's right, support the Noob Spiro podcast by shopping with our sponsor, spearfishing.com.au and thank you for joining us today. G'day and welcome to the Noob Spiro podcast, the first episode for 2017. We hope you had a great Christmas and a wonderful new year. And uh, today, for our first episode, we are speaking to none other than Jose DeBasa. That's right, another Spearheads crew member. Jose is responsible for the editing and a lot of the videoing uh, that goes on when they make their videos on their trips. So if you've seen any of those, um, they're absolutely fantastic. And today we're going to speak to Jose all about um, some tips to get good footage, but also his process for editing. Um, those videos and it's uh, it's a great listen. We had a lot of fun. We got to meet the whole family. It was uh, it was absolutely excellent. So um, thank you very much to Jose for speaking with us. Firstly, and before we get into that episode, I've just got a few shout outs to do. Um, love this. So um, thank you to Tevis in Puget Sound, Seattle, Washington. Mate, he sent us a really nice um, iTunes review um, of the podcast. So thank you so much for that. Uh, he also said that his biggest obstacle at the moment is finding someone as keen as he is to go diving with. So if you are in the Puget Sound area in Seattle, shoot us an email and we'll try to hook you guys up. So you've got a partner there, Tevis, so thanks so much for reaching out. Uh, Everin Oskin, yeah, he sent us his uh, his video. Like he, he's from Scotland. Uh, he shot an excellent video where he's traveling around Scotland and doing uh, his spear fishing and catching crays and um, all sorts of seafood. So um, thank you so much for sending us that as well, mate. That's an absolutely awesome video. Um, check it out. I think we shared it on uh, Instagram. So, yep, check that out there. Uh, Peter Denton, he sent us a pic. He just shot his first pargo. Um, awesome fish, mate, to get started on. Um, headshot as well. It takes after me. Well done, mate. Keep it up. And I just want to say a big thank you to Blake Fletcher from The Half Hour Intern. Um, if you don't already know, Shrek and I were lucky enough to be interviewed on The Half Hour Intern um, this year. I'm oh, sorry, 2016. And uh, we, he nominated us for a, an award, the Half Hour Intern Award. So um, thank you so much for that, Blake. You're doing a wonderful job over there. And if you are interested in listening to other podcasts, Blake's, uh, Blake's podcast, the Half Hour Intern, is absolutely excellent. Couldn't recommend it more. Uh, it's all about hobbies and jobs, and uh, it's very, very interesting. So go and check that out. It's the Half Hour Intern. And thanks again to Blake. But without further ado, let's get into this awesome episode, the first of 2017 with Jose DeBassa. I wanted to share awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water, and that's why I started spearfishing. I just clamped down on the reel and got drugged down to about 50 feet, and I'd never had a battle like that before in my life. So when you're learning where to hunt and find fish, they're the hot spots, it's where fish want to be. Don't overcomplicate your gear, don't go diving dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I actually started off in stubbies with a bloody belt with a pig knife on it. And they've seen this big fin break the surface, roll into the water, look down, here's this nice big great white. Oh. Once your face hits the water and you feel relaxed and all the other stresses of life seem to disappear. It's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. 
G'day Noob Sparrow listeners, welcome to the show today. You're joining Turbo and I again as we interview another Spearheads character. We've got Jose DeBasa on the line. How are you today, Jose? Doing well. Hello, guys. Excellent. G'day, Jose. Alrighty, where do we start? Well, I think we should start probably at the start. Alright, so, that's good. <laughs> Jose, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you're from, and how you got started spearfishing? Alright, so I was actually, uh, I was born in Cuba. Um, I came from the island when I was 11 years old. I'm 31 now. And yeah, I uh, started spearfishing about 10 years ago. It's when okay. I started spearfishing, yeah. <clears throat> so you started photography before spearfishing? I started photography before spearfishing, yes. Yeah, wow. Okay, wow. I was 16 years old when I started photography. I was in high school. And yeah. um, like I said, I'm 31 now. Um, but, you know, when I started photography, it was all on land. So it was pretty much uh, going to the Everglades. The Everglades here is like the countryside of, of South Florida, you see. It's, it's, okay. it's pretty much the swamp. Um and I will go to the Everglades, uh, wandering off in search of alligators, snakes, or you know, just wildlife to photograph. Um, that's how I, that's how I got involved into photography. But okay. It was- and who who introduced you to spearfishing? And uh, so you started like twenty twenty one. Who who sort of got you involved? Uh, yeah, it was actually <clears throat> my brother in law. My brother in law he one time gave me a pneumatic Cressy gun. Okay. Very yep. old. It was very old. The shaft was all rusty. <laughs> and it, yeah, it was really bad. I don't even know how that thing worked when I got it. <laughs> but um, back then, I used to do a lot of rod and reel. I've always been very involved in rod and reel, very involved with the ocean. But I never really had really uh, shot a fish in the water. So when he gave me wow. the matic gun, it was a very small gun. Um, you know, I'm just diving a shallow patch out of uh, Caesar's Creek here in uh, Miami. And when I see this red grouper, uh, looking at me and I you know I shot it took it to the bow and I was uh, hooked I was uh, hooked and after that day what I did I sold all of my rods <laughs> and <laughs> guns <laughs> yeah so uh, your first time in the water with a with a spear gun and you managed to grab a red red groper yeah that's phen- right. that's phenomenal yeah, yeah and it was a pretty good size it was like a 26 20 almost a 27 inch red grouper uh, it was a fatty he was a pretty fat. Yeah. yeah, he was a good that, boy. That sounds way better than line fishing. You just stand there on a bank or a boat with a rod just oh, all day. So just moving forward back to, so you, you took out this pneumatic spear gun, you shot a red groper, you got back on the boat and you sold all your rods. What was like, what was kind of the next step for you? The next step was to spearfish as much as I could. And yeah, so I, you know, I, I mean, I just... Start started meeting people. I joined Spearboard. I don't know if you guys heard of that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you know, I joined Spearboard and met a bunch of cool people. Uh, people there. Um, actually, that's how I met Aaron through Spearboard. He started um, uh, creeping on me and stuff, you know, and harassing me to go out. Spe- <laughs> 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 was Aaron Chase from Spear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. Andrew as well, somewhere along the line. Actually, Andrew, um, I met him. Uh, you know, he, he, he had just opened the shop when I met him. He had opened the shop like a year or two before I met him. Um, you know, I got so involved in spearfishing and my love for the sport was growing so much. Uh, all of my stuff I started buying at Austin Diving Center here in Miami. 
And then I decided to do a project, um, you know, uh, uh, called South Florida Skin Divers, which later evolved into Spearheads. And okay. I contacted Andrew, you know, um, to see if he wanted to join me. Uh, somebody spoke to me about Andrew, and I went, I bought a couple of stuff from him, and we became friends, and, you know, I contacted him to join me on South Florida Skin Divers. And eventually that later evolved into Spearheads, and uh, then, you know, Aaron also, you know, uh, became a big part of Spearheads. But, yeah, that's that's how I met Andrew, um, trying to work a project. Uh, we were doing a production company. South Florida Skin Diver was a production company, and the purpose was to uh, create uh, underwater videos and stuff like that. But like I said, that later evolved um, into Spearheads with Aaron and the whole entire group, you see? Yeah, cool. Yeah. And you guys have got a, a great bunch of guys in that group. There's um, There's seven of you, is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's about seven of the original guys. Is, is you know, it's about seven of us originally. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We've seen some phenomenal yeah. films, and we've linked them up through. Um, so we've interviewed Andrew, who's part of it, and and Aaron. That's why we're asking questions about them, and uh, we've linked up some of the funny videos, some of the yeah. good videos. The uh, the last Bahamas trip one was just phenomenal. That was yeah. a great, great video. Yeah, that was a very well prepped video. Uh, we put a lot of time into it. Um, not only to get there and fish, you know, have a good uh, fishing experience. Uh, but we put a lot of time into the production of it. I mean, I, you know, the whole entire time we were very conscious about uh, filming and directing and just the angles, the whole entire thing, you know, above water, on the water. Um, thankfully, we had a great crew overall. We had two great hunters, Aaron and Nolan. And then camera guys was um, Walker and I. And we we were all very sync, and you know we we were really trying to make uh, a really badass video with the Bahamas one, and it all turned out great. Everything fell into place, and it turned out how we expected, actually better than we expected. Would you say you had any obstacles starting out? Like, was there any challenges that sort of took you a little while to sort of overcome and improve on in spearfishing? Absolutely, yeah, there was, there was. Um, well, one of the obstacles was actually equalizing when I started spearfishing. I was able to do shallow dives uh, without a problem, but I couldn't go past 30 feet uh, for a very long time when I started off. And and that's because I had a very hard time equalizing. Um, you know, when I started off, um, like I, I mentioned to you guys, I, you know, I started going out as much as I could with, you know, as many people as I could just to so I could observe whatever it is that they knew. And back then, I didn't even know there was an FII course or uh, immersion, immersion or any of the free diving classes that they have now. You know, I didn't know they, I didn't know they had those things going on until later. Um, but yeah, equalizing was just a very, you know, I had a very hard time with it. I mean, I would get lucky if I was able to equalize both ears at once, you know? Um, oh, wow. I, yeah, I eventually uh, learned the Frenzo technique and that's what allowed me to um, equalize both ears without a problem and go down. Um, but my one of the biggest obstacles was that equalizing. Ah, cool. We we we've just recently talked to Ted Hardy over at Immersion, and we we covered off a lot of equalizing in that interview with him. And um, one of the main sort of issues he identified was um, just learning the frenzel technique. You know, because mm -hmm. a lot of guys start off with Valsalva. Was that was that kind of how it went out for you as well? No, I, I learned the French technique on my own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, wow. Yeah, when, when I took the course, um, they taught me, you know, the ins and outs of free diving and the science of it. 
and how to feel comfortable when going down there. But if you knew how to equalize, then, then you know, they just taught you, I mean, very briefly, uh, you know, how to equalize. But the very common technique that we all know, which is pinch your nose and, uh, you know, and blow so your ears can pop, you know. Um, yeah. And that, that technique for me wouldn't work always 100%. And, you know, I just kept on having ear issues because of that. But yeah, I always had one ear that wouldn't equalize correctly. So yeah, the French technique I pretty much learned it myself wow. and with with uh, the internet, <laughs> with the help of the, of the internet. <laughs> Is there any resources in particular that you could point to that that helped, or was it was it just just continuous searching and digging for information? Yeah, um, it, well, there was one there was one uh, page that taught me exactly what I needed to know to learn it, and the you know. It really helped me. Um, I can't remember the name of the website right now. I'm sorry because I I learned this okay. years ago, you know. But I think I have it saved for my favor somewhere, just in case. <laughs> I could probably okay. send that over to you later on an email. All right, cool. Yeah. No worries. If you find it, send it through. I'll yeah, I'll link I, it in your show notes. Absolutely. It, it did take a lot of digging until I came across this website. Um, but it yeah, took okay. a lot of digging to to find you know something to teach me in lemon lemon's term how to do the yeah yeah the front zone, you know. All right, uh, Jose, tell us a, uh, a story about a fish in particular that you shot that uh, stands out in your mind as one of your most memorable fish stories. Man, um, I, I got a few, but actually one of my – oh, man, um, one of my favorite <laughs> ones. Yeah, it's just that when it comes to big groupers on hogs, I mean, they're like top of the line shooting big groupers on hogs here in Miami, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, Actually, uh, one of my favorite fish that I've shot uh, was uh, a 15-pound uh, hogfish. Wow. I, I got to say. It's a tank. Yeah, it's a tank. It was a tank, bro. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and, I, and, and a black group that was close to 40 pounds out of, um, oh. out of Miami. But, yeah, it was actually a couple of years ago, this major black grouper in about 50 feet of water. I went out with my buddies out of Miami, and I mean, if you know Miami, you could generate fish, you could produce fish, but like I said, you got to work hard for it, you know. Um, yep. So we were diving about fifty feet of water when I see this rock just hanging in there, and until I realized that it wasn't a rock at all, until I saw a little fin moving, you know, like the side fin, and I said, "Oh, that's a that's a big black grouper." So uh, I dove down and I pretty much shot him right on the. Um, spinal cord uh right, right on the spine and it was a pretty good shot uh but it was just a very it was just a very epic moment you know because of the size of the fish i mean i was you know had a pretty good crew of guys that when they saw you know it, it was just a great moment overall uh but but was you know really epic for me is actually finding big monstrous hogs here in miami yeah yeah because, yeah. because you could find them in bahamas but you gotta work them. Uh, you gotta work for them here in Miami because, I mean, unfortunately, everybody's always shooting smaller hogs. They don't let them grow, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, a lot of people. You go to the marina, and a lot of people, unfortunately, I mean, are shooting baby hogs. I mean, if they're gonna eat it, that's fine. Uh, but you know, we could have much bigger hogs here. That's why the law is starting to change now uh, to let the grow, uh, to let the hogfish grow a bit bigger. So, you know, they could, yeah, so they could get bigger, but, um, usually in winter, it's usually in winter that you get uh, bigger hogs. They come from the depth from, from the very deep and you could find them yep. in 10 feet of water. I mean, Ooh. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, still, well, you know, it's still hard to find them. But if you, you know, if you want to increase your chances of getting big hogs, it will be during winter, during the colder uh, season, you know. Um, they come to very shallow water. And it's pretty epic, man, to find a monster like that in like 10 to 14 feet of water. <laughs> yeah, what, what are they like to hunt? Like, what do you, um, give us a rundown on the techniques and what you're sort of looking for to hunt hogfish in particular. Well, hogfish are kind of stupid. <laughs> but um, the bigger hogfish, the really big hogfish, like the 20 to 25 inch hogfish, those are pretty smart, man. They're like black groupers. Yeah. I mean, they see you and they'll take off, you know, a mile away um, as soon as they see you. They're not like the ones in Bahamas. The one in Bahamas, they're extremely friendly. But the bigger hogfish here in South Florida, in Miami, um, they, they are very, very smart. So my technique uh, for spearfishing hogfish and groupers, uh, black groupers, uh, this might sound funny, but I try to make them feel comfortable with me. <laughs> um you know, I don't. I don't like to shoot fish in the hole. I don't like to f- shoot fish in uh, black groupers in a hole or hogfish in a hole. Um, I like to get them out in the open because a lot of the holes here they're connected. They're like huge tunnels. So once they go in there, you might lose them. You know, unless the hole do- doesn't have an end and it's like a small coral head and they have nowhere to go, you could shoot them. It's like shooting a fish in a barrel. Um, but I personally like you know to stock my prey um big hot fish if they allow me to get the shop great but like black groupers um they'll see you and they'll take off and there'll be a moment that i you know i'm swimming after them and the, it get to the point that i'm pretty much just following a silhouette and <laughs> eventually i catch up with the grouper or the big hogfish whichever the two and you know i just hang out i just hang out in the surface looking at the grouper keeping my distance until i see that the fish is starting to settle in a spa once the fish settles in the spa uh, that he looks comfortable and he doesn't seem afraid of me i actually dive down like 15 maybe 10 feet away from him it's usually from behind that i try to come you know like i swim away from him and you know and i try to go through his blind spot so if there's like a little coral head or a little uh, plant in the in the bottom that's covering his blind spot, that's where I'm going to drop. And that's how I'm going to approach him from his blind spot out in the open. And that's how I shoot them. Um, that's how I like to get them. Um, it, it is challenging, but it's really fun, you know. And it's very re- re- rewarding when you're able to fool the fish like that, especially a fish that, um, like the black grouper, I mean, they don't, they don't come easy. They don't come easy to get unless they're in a hole, you know. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, I mean, to me, I just like to make sure that they're comfortable with me, that they don't see me as a threat, and then and then I and then I drop and kind of ambush them. You know, that's what I do. Yeah, we don't we don't have hogfish here, but we love the look of those fish. They yeah. they're just a phenomenal silhouette. They just look like a they're an iconic just species, aren't they? They they just look cool. Yeah, they're awesome, man. It's funny because their mouth is kind of like the movie Alien. <laughs> Have you seen Alien? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 especially yeah. the bigger hogs, you know, like their mouth open and then they extend outward. So it's really, yeah, yeah. it's really funny. Yeah. But but they're, they they they're very beautiful fish and they have such amazing colors. I mean, yeah, seeing hogfish completely lit up and uh, it's just really astonishing to see you know especially me as a photographer that's something that i appreciate tremendously i've been able to capture a hogfish on camera uh completely lit up um it, it's, it's quite epic you like and, and a grouper as well i mean groupers i mean they're just a little bit dark. they're a lot darker than the 
than the hog fist. Yeah. Um, if you see a black lit up, it's it's amazing. It's beautiful. I mean, yeah. you see the pattern on their body. It looks like um, metal chains, you know, in the body. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, I mean, I've seen a lot of groupers <clears throat> in front of me that I haven't shot just because I've been mesmerizing. I've been mesmerized by the by their physique, you know? Yeah, they, they've, they're a fish with a lot of character. They're just a, a wicked-looking animal. Yeah, man. All right. Next section of the show is called <laughs> Scariest Moment. So basically a scary story that you've had out spearfishing yeah. and maybe some practical takeaways that you learned from it. <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, there's actually two things that happened to me. Um, the one that actually scared me the most, that I thought I was going to die, was that I almost blacked out. When I first started spearfishing and free diving, I wasn't doing things right. Um, I was diving with um, with a regular snorkeling mask, uh, regular snorkeling fins, no weight belts, nothing. I had nothing. And a pneumatic gun that I had. So the, I was pushing. The rust bucket. Was that what you affectionately called it? Well, actually, yeah, yeah. by this time, actually, by this time, I had already gotten myself another pneumatic gun. Um, yeah. It was the Maris Serrano 970, the one that I had the okay. purchase. Uh, so I had a better one. I had, I had an upgrade. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I was pushing myself a little bit too much in 20 feet of water, uh, going up and, you know, down on, down and back up, down and back up. And, you know, I wasn't ventilating. I was hyperventilating instead, uh, which is horrible. And after doing like five or six dives in a row to get some lobsters in 20 feet of water, um, I remember I dove down again. I stuck my hand in the hole to get the lobster. And all of a sudden, my body got extremely light. And like somebody was pushing me from from my back down. Like I felt like somebody was pushing me from above. Um, and it scared the heck out of me. That really scared me. All of a sudden, I, I remember looking forward and I started getting tunnel vision. My My... My eyesight was getting very bright, white tone of vision, and I freaked out. And I ascended to the surface, and I was there with my with my buddy, who couldn't even dive past five feet back then. Um, and I'm telling him, "Hold on to me, because I'm about to black out. Hold on to me." So I was just waiting to black out. It didn't happen, thank God, you know. <laughs> but after I took yeah, wow. the course. I realized that I was just seconds away from blacking out. Um, from so so that's that was one of the scariest moments, and it was so scary to me that um, I actually sorry, I was waiting for the little one to go. It was so scary to me that I actually almost quit spearfishing and free diving because I wow. uh, I thought that I was going to die that day, um, but nothing happened. Right after that, I kept on diving. Um, I decided to continue and to dive with people that knew more than I and to learn from them. And I remember I went down to the Keys one time and I just continued diving, continued pushing my limits without knowing what I was doing. And I blew up um, my eustachian tooth. I didn't blow up. Uh, I, I got, you know, I hurt my, my eustachian tooth, which is in, is in the inner ear. And, yep. and what that cost me was that... Um, I couldn't hear. I lost my hearing on my left ear. For oh, a wow. So, yeah, I could only hear from one ear. And from that from that day forward, um, I have this little sound in my head, like a little whistle in my head. Uh, yeah. 
I don't know. You guys probably have it too. I don't know. <laughs> they call it tinnitus, yeah. Tinnitus, that's right. That's what it is. Yeah. What, what that's, you know, if you want to feel what that sounds like, go to a club at night and, <laughs> and come out of the club. And, you know, you're in the, I mean, you, you're in the club and the music is so loud. You come out of the club and then you have that sound in your head. It's like, man. Um, so I have it right now continuously the whole entire time. Um, yeah. So sometimes it's sometimes it's better. Uh, it's you know it's worse than others. Like right now, since I'm talking a little bit loud, um, it gets a little bit loud. <laughs> Sorry, Turbo. The other night when you came out of the club with your leather chaps on, yeah, go on. Here we go. Uh, Stitch up. Did you have a bit of a, that sound going on in your ear? <laughs> actually, no. It's mean. It was actually your mum talking to me using my ear. <laughs> uh, all right, cool. So. That's pretty good anyway. That's a good scary, scary moment. So a near blackout, that's definitely going to uh, make some changes in your diving practice. The other day we were just having a chat about what we wished was around when we were starting spearfishing and we thought, geez, I wish there was an ebook called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing. <laughs> and guess what? Now there is, thanks uh, to us. Amazon.com are cheap as chips. 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, written by yours truly, Turbo and the Shrekinator. It's actionable information from more than 40 interviews with spearfishing experts from around the world. It's absolutely jam-packed with tips. Now, every tip is not just a single tip. There's tips within tips. There's tips over and under tips. So we had to pick a number. We went 99. There's probably 1,000. I I don't know. Maybe maybe 1,005. Possibly. So where can they find it? Amazon.com, 99 tips to get better at spearfishing by Turbo and Shrek. Shrek. What's your name again? Shrek. The uh, next section of the show, Jose, is where we ask our special guests to take us deep into an area of their expertise. And um, we've sort of alluded to it earlier, but you're definitely sort of one of the creative director for Spearheads. Um, So I really wanted to dig into some kind of um, editing practices and tips and kind of like how you coordinate the action and how you think about planning a film is that is that cool yeah so maybe just could you just share the story a bit more about how you sort of got started with spearheads and how that how that um evolved if you like yeah uh pretty much like uh spearheads um you know it started uh from south florida skiing divers um so like i mentioned before south florida skiing divers uh, was actually a production company that um, Andrew Fernando Spearfish and I started uh, to film stuff, you know, uh, underwater sports and aquatic sports and stuff like that. But Spearheads evolved from South Florida Skiing Divers um, with Andrew, Aaron, and I. So you guys started with that, and then how did it grow from there? And and how did you add in all the other members and all the rest of it? Yeah, so um, Aaron, you know, Aaron and I. Um, we've also floated skiing divers uh, with Andrew into spearheads, and the goal was to, I mean, we, were, I mean, to put as much videos together and you know, uh, you know, enough videos to make an episode. And the guys, we we were pretty good friends already. AJ, Jeremy, Nolan, Justin Baker, um, we were all we were all spear guys. Also, we were all sponsored by Speared. And, you know, we knew what we had in common and we knew, you know, a forte for each one of us. Like Edgy said, the keys, he's a great Spiro. Uh, Jeremy said the keys as well. And he says an outstanding Spiro. And him and Jeremy were, uh, they're very good buddies. Um, excuse me, Jeremy and AJ, uh, they're very good friends. 
And then we have Justin Baker in for Pierce, who's a great athlete overall. And I mean, we all knew each other and we knew what we could bring to the table. We had different regions of Florida from uh, the Keys to for Pierce. And we had different footage. The, the goal, the initial goal was to bring all footage together and, you know, put them together and make a show out of it, you see. And then eventually we started uh, to doing a lot of trips together. Uh, we were, you know, link up and go to Fort Pierce, go to the Keys, uh, go to Miami. And just, you know, we started fishing everywhere um, together. So, so that's how um, we were, you know, that's how it, it evolved what it is today right now our trips are taking us to bahamas costa rica uh, different places all over you know uh, yeah and so like for you for you with your role doing a lot of the editing work um i've noticed the change over time you guys went from gopros now it looks like you're using dslrs or mirrorless cameras um how was that transition and did did it just slowly evolve over time? Yeah, the it, it like I said, it, it did evolve slowly over time. All of us had GoPros at the very beginning. We were all filming with GoPros. I still have my camera that I was uh, taking photos with, but my camera doesn't do video, and okay. so I was filming with a GoPro, and so did everybody else. And we were just using a GoPro footage, and eventually we started evolving to you know we had guys like Barnhill. Um, Nolan, who have video um, uh, capability in their cameras, and we started bringing them to to the production table, and and I mean right now, I mean that's the way to go. Uh, the you know you're using DSLR that have videos because the quality is so much better than the GoPro. GoPro is great for starting up, uh, but when you can use a DSLR, you could get very creative on the water. You could create depth of field on the water, and you know that just add to production value of your of your film. Um, but uh, right now, like you mentioned, yeah, um, believe it or not, we're still using GoPro too. We use a combination of DSLRs, um, mirrorless cameras, and GoPros. So yeah, wow. Yeah, we use everything that that you know that we have at our, our, our disposal you know we try to make every moment count <clears throat> so we don't we don't want to waste any moment so if we do catch a good moment with a gopro that's going to be it but if we happen to catch it with a dslr or mirrorless camera that's even better and that's going to add awesome. the product to the value of the, um, of the of the production you know awesome okay that's we've got a good idea now sort of of how you guys have progressed with spearheads now, before we, we started the show, you were talking a little bit about um, sort of planning planning a film and having a vision for it. And I think you started to talk about thinking about shots and thinking like a director. Can you sort of take us through your planning process for a film now? Yeah, every time, every time I go for a photo shoot or to film anything for the Spearheads or for anybody, um, I already envision what it is that I'm looking for. So... I had the vision in my head, and it's just a matter of actually implementing it uh, in the moment uh, of shooting. So, um, I pretty much, you know, uh, a lot of the times I, I try to write down the visions because, I mean, we're human, we forget. <laughs> but Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, but, you know, I, I try to have a, a storyline uh, to, I you know, I even put it on my notes on my smartphone to what to go for and, and you know I, in my smartphone I also mark um, 
you know, shots that I want, that I thought about. But once I'm at the scene, once I'm at the set of shooting, um, you know, on the water, on land, wherever I am, um, more ideas come to my head <clears throat> and I implement those ideas. Like I pretty much see my own ideas filtering out of my head through my camera. I don't know if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So I, I picture it in my head and then I see it happening in the camera and I snap it. Um, for either for a photograph or for the film, um, <clears throat> especially when taking videos, it's even more difficult because there's a lot of factors going um, against you. Uh, when you're shooting on land, you can make those visions uh, happen easier. Easier, but when you're in the yep. water diving with your buddies and there's you know the fish that you're hunting is involved and stuff, uh, those ideas uh, are harder to implement. But you kind of have a an idea as to what to go for. So you try to make that vision happen as much as possible, you know? <clears throat> and, okay. and sometimes we, you know, you know, sometimes the shot just comes better than what I expect or, you know, better than what we expected. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So you think on your feet, but you have a general vision for the film and then you sort of take opportunities when they present themselves and you don't get hung up on maybe if a shot doesn't come together you just change change tact change angle and do something different yeah if the if the i mean we if the shot doesn't come together um we just use what we have especially when hunting because you only get one okay. shot at the fish you know um yep. but when you're on land we we always try to make the shot happen when you're on land when when we're filming on land I mean, for interviews or uh, just the moment, uh, you know, I, I told the guys, okay, do this, do that. And I, yeah, I direct the guys and we just make the shot happen, you know. Um, Aaron Aaron would also implement his own ideas as well. He's pretty good, believe it or not. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, we we know he's, he's really guy. he's really he's really bad with the camera, but he's really good at telling you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, but but um, yeah, he'll implement yep. his own ideas as well. He'll tell me what his ideas are, and then I, I'll, you know, I also I combine them with what I have in my mind, and we'll make that happen, you know. But but yeah, I mean, when when we're filming on the water, we do have a general idea as to what we're looking for we have a vision and we try to go for it um when we're not hunting on the water we could uh, we could always direct you know on the when there's not a fishing buff um we always direct it or we always try to reenact as well um some of the hunting uh scenes that we may have possibly uh lost <laughs> or some of the scary moments that we probably have experienced uh, we try to reenact them as well and you know, like I said, it's all it's all about having a vision and actually making it happen. Um, and if mm. you're a good crew, uh, it is very possible, or at least very possible, to come close to your vision. So I just wanted to ask you, like, if if you do have a bunch of guys out there in your crew, or there's some some other guys out there, and they've got a crew together and they they want to make a video, and uh, what what can the guys taking the footage do to make it an easier job for their editor? To make it an easier job for the editor. Okay. Yeah, because no, it's just so hard to sift through all that footage sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Maybe another way to ask the question is: Yeah, four guys have just dumped ten hours of footage on you, and they want to film out of it. Um, you go through the footage. What some advice do you give them for next time to make the job easier for yourself? Well, um, that happens. <laughs> yeah, happened. for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's happened. It's happened. Um, to make the job easier. 
uh, first of all, don't just dump all the stuff on me. <laughs> That's number one. I mean, I don't want to just stare at a video of the blue water, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, or stare at a video of the camera being kind of crooked and stuff. So whatever you're going to dump on, whatever you're dumping on your editor, make sure that is the final product is make sure that's the video you want your editor to work with. You know, um, yep. it could be B-roll. B-roll is pretty much secondary footage that we use for, let's call it stock footage, you know, to, to, to cover the gaps of, um, blank spaces in the timeline when you're editing. Um, yep. B-roll is your secondary footage. So if you have secondary, we, you know, secondary footage is always good. Um, but whatever you're going to give as primary footage, uh, A-roll, um, just make sure that it's the stuff you want it to be there, you know? Make sure it's a good story. Don't don't just give your editor garbage footage. So yeah, uh, you got A-roll and B-roll. And, you know, bo- both both um, A-roll, like I say, is primary footage. B-roll is secondary fo- footage. And both type of clips are good for the video. You need both of them to make a very good video. Uh, but most importantly, if the editor is not at the trip and the whole entire crew went to the trip, let's say, it's, let's say the spearheads go to, to the trip, right? And I stay behind for whatever reason. Um, I tell them what I'm looking for. Um, I also got Aaron. If Aaron is in the trip, he knows what we're looking for. So he'll tell the guys and kind of direct the guys as to what it is that we need in order to make the, the footage possible. All right. No, that's all good, Jose. So I think we got sort of A-roll primary footage, B-roll for secondary footage. Yeah. And if you're not going on the trip, make sure the guys understand the vision and what you want. And I, I was going to ask another question just quickly about footage, and that's um, when you start directing and putting films together i think you you come to the realization that you film in shots so uh you know like it's from and it it flows sort of between shots is that sort of right do you think in terms of 10 second bits of footage or how does that work it all depends um we usually have two guys filming and two guys hunting so like in bahamas i mean you'll see footage um from different angles uh on the water uh but but yeah we we usually usually have two guys and it all depends. It all depends. Um, for interviews, we try to get as much information as we need uh, to make a story, to you know, to tell our story. And we're yep. filming on the water. Um, you know, I mean, it, it all depends on the on the situation. But I mean, I clip okay. my last as long as we were down there, you know, and we're filming on land. Um, depending on what it is that we're looking for, it could be something for a split seconds. I mean, I don't, I don't use the same footage in when editing for more than three seconds, uh, three seconds will be too long. Um, wow. so if you look at my, if you look at, at our, uh, episodes, uh, you actually have, uh, very short clips, a bunch of short clips that make the whole entire episode. You know, it's, it's, mm. there's going to be, there might be a couple, there might be some clips that are longer than others, but it's just because of how the footage is. It's just because of the moment that we're capturing. So it all depends what it is that you're looking for, but you don't want to, when editing and putting the video together, you don't want to put, um, very long clips because you know, first of all, you also want to keep it in beat in sync with the music, you know? And yeah, so I try to always have my video sync with the music, and it's just a matter of seconds. Um, so, but yeah, it, it, it all depends on what it is that we're capturing. Speaking of music, so we might transition into that. 
And uh, one of the things I think people find difficult is how to find music. So where do you source your music for your videos? I, I look for my, you know, I source my music through um, a lot of, uh, I'm, I'm, we actually are subscribed to um, a website. It's a membership website where we could get royalty-free music. And that royalty-free music is actually, um, it's limited. I mean, you could you could get lucky and you could get uh, some very good tracks that you could use for, uh, for your video. Uh, but if you don't care about royalty free music and you want to use, uh, whatever music, I mean, you know, there's like me, myself, I'm, I'm, you know, I like folk music a lot. I like alternative rock. Like, uh, like I was telling you earlier. Uh, so I listen to a lot of Congos, Kaleo, um, that, those type of guys, the black keys. And, yeah. you know, we've used their music in, in, in our videos and it's, it's just, you know, it goes with the moment. Um, yeah, yeah. And let me tell you guys, let me tell you, um, you could go to YouTube, okay? You could go to YouTube and you could research royalty-free music and you will find a lot of sources on YouTube that would allow you to use your music as long as you give them credit in the video for free. So, oh, okay. yeah, you could uh, search a lot of royalty-free music on YouTube and they'll tell you, you could use the music as long as you give them credit, okay? Um, awesome. And it's not used for commercial purposes. So that's another source that I use, uh, YouTube. I mean, I just look for stuff on YouTube and you'll be amazed by everything that you could find over there. All right, so just talking about audio, so when you guys record an interview, like the audio, and then you... Uh, do you do you get the video together first and then plan the audio after, or do you do it the other way around? I do it together. Um, when we're recording interview, uh, we have a mic, we have an external mic, and we have a lavalier mic. Um, okay. So we will be recording um, as we do the interview. Uh, we don't we don't record the audio separately. You know that might actually work better if we record the audio separately. Um, but we, we do it, you know, we film, like I said, we have an exterior mic, we have a road mic as well, um, yep. on top of the DSLR and we have a, a lavalier mic that we put on the subject that we're filming and we capture the audio as we film the, it, it comes out in the video, you know, um, that's actually how we do it, how we're doing it right now. All right. What, what, um, what software do you use to edit all your footage and add an audio and all the rest of it, Jose? Uh, man, uh, right now for photography, I'm actually using uh, Adobe Lightroom. I've been using that for years. And for editing the videos, I use Sony Vegas Pro. Okay. Um, before we had any mics, we would use the DSLR uh, to film guys with the mic that was built in into the DSLR. And, yep. and that was back in 2012. And Okay. It's funny because when, you know, the DSLR will focus on a subject, it will make this little noise like, you know, will make that noise and that will come out on the uh, interview. And and I hated it because you'll see the guy talking and then you hear the little sound, which sounded like a little bird tweaking or something, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And and I had to look for an app, which I can't can't remember what it's called right now, uh, to reduce uh, that noise that was made by the lens. And to increase the voice of the guy that we were filming, you know, and that helped a lot. But if you look at the very first Spearheads uh, episode, like one, I think it was like episode two or so, um, you you might hear it slightly, you know, but that was already edited. Um, you could not really get rid of it 
but you could help reduce it a lot. And so there's apps that would allow you to reduce the noise in the background uh, when when uh, filming somebody in an interview and stuff. But yeah, we had to get a mic to get rid of that, and we don't have that problem anymore. And we got better cameras, better lenses, and we don't we don't have to worry about that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> All right, cool. I've got two more questions to ask in your veterans vault. So. What are your favorite filters to add in the editing process? Okay, uh, fonts. I love adding fonts. Um, you, you said favorite effects, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, effects is good, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, when editing a video, uh, favorite effects, I mean, there, there's so many things that you could do with today's uh, video editing software. And there's a lot that you could do. You could make, you know, so much with it. Uh, but just editing the fonts, um, you know, uh, enhancing the image is one of my favorite things because uh, everything I shoot with my cameras is always manual. Um, yeah. Always shoot manual. I don't shoot automatic. Uh, either for photography or video, I always shoot manual. So when editing, I could get very creative in enhancing the the, the image. Uh, a lot of people use red filters in the GoPro, and I tell them not yep. to do that. It's not really necessary. Um, you actually make a lot of your editing work harder because when you pop to on the surface with your red filter, everything is red, and it's harder to neutralize the red than neutralize the blue, you know? Um, yep. So I just have a blast neutralizing the colors on the water with my video, uh, video editing software. Uh, if you get to understand um, how to work the colors and the lights, um, you could implement it on photography and while, uh, editing your videos. Uh, so just working with the image itself and enhancing it is one of my favorite parts. And I really enjoy that. And then, okay. yeah. And then it's actually, uh, playing with uh, a bit more difficult effects like um, putting the title on the video and making the title move or go with the subject, you know, you know, like, some of the other effects, uh, you know, like adding title, adding fonts to the video, make the video look very legit. Uh, that, that's that's uh, one of my favorite. That's actually the final touches. Uh, that's the last thing I do after editing. It's just seeing, you know, choose a scene where to add the title and credits uh, throughout the video of wherever the, s- the subject is that's talking or film or hunting or whatnot, you know. Um, but there's a, you could get very creative uh, with titling your video. Uh, you could make your title move with the subject, or you could make your title stay in one place while your camera pans to the side. Um, that's all done with motion tracking, uh, which is a very hard effect to learn. Um, it's just very difficult to to use, but once you get it down, once you understand it, um, uh, you're golden. You're 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 good to go. Um, it took me a while to actually get it because you use it with the timeline you play with the timeline you know on on the editing software uh but if you look at some of the uh initial spearhead show uh that we created like episode one two and three uh, all of those have motion tracking on it you see the video the, the title actually go with the subject and you know moving along with the subject that we were filming and stuff that's uh, pretty comprehensive, Jose. Yeah. <laughs> one more question, mate, to round out uh, Veterans Vault. Uh, what is the one piece of advice that you could give to someone um, starting editing? Um, putting the time to learn. Um, <laughs> yeah, 
I am self-taught, like like I mentioned to you. Um, I learned everything myself. Uh, you know, I just put in the time. I'm, I'm very passionate about what I do. And, you know, I didn't go to school for this. Um, and they could teach you a lot in school. I mean, if you want to go to school, great. Congratulations. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, but a lot of the information that you need to know is online. You can find it on YouTube. It's a lot of... There's a lot of resources and forums online that you could join and to learn, you know, how to control the light when taking photos, how to neutralize the light on the water. There's a lot of stuff that you could do, um, you know, a lot of research. Uh, there's a lot of sources that you could find online that would teach you how to actually do a good job. So, mm. if you, yeah, definitely put in the time uh, to learn and practice. Um, you know, I, I spend numerous hours and a lot of late nights just editing and trying to achieve what I was looking for until I got it. And, you know, I struggle back then I was struggle and, and, and then I won't forget what it is that I had done to make it look good, you know, but today yeah. I sit in front of the computer and it's like second nature to me, um, because of so much practice and so much time that I put into it. So, any editor that's you know that wants to learn on their own like I did, um, it's just a matter of putting in the time. And I've met a couple of guys that have contacted me um, in regards to you know so I could give them some advice and mentoring in regards to photography and stuff. And um, I see their work today, and it's, it's it's really coming out. It's really coming out. I mean. You know, I see that they've listened, not only me, but they've reached out to other photographers and editors as well. And I see a combination of, of some of some of the artists today, you know, in their work. Mm. Um, but it's just a matter of putting in the time to to learn. If, if you don't put in the time, you're never going to learn. Awesome, man. That was a pretty comprehensive yeah. uh, look at editing and sort of putting a film together. So thanks for that, Jose. Awesome. In today's Veterans Vault with Jose, we talked all about the Sony Vegas editing suite and GoPro. And if you'd like to learn more about those products, we've linked those up for you in his show notes. So just Google Jose DeBasa and Noob Spiro, and uh, that'll take you right to him. The next section of the show will help us transition nicely. What's the funniest thing you've experienced out spearfishing? Hmm. Uh, funniest, <laughs> man. Uh, I'm actually um, the guys who spearheads. They call me TD, and that is, uh, yeah, that's actually technical difficulties. Because <laughs> uh, I always got something going on. You know, there's always something wrong with me, man. Not <laughs> um, with me, but with the gear. With there's always something happening. You know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I got a couple of things happen to me and I've caught them on video. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, one time we was pure fishing a, a, a wreck in 120 feet of water uh, and I was at the surface and there was this school of jacks that, you know, came up to like 30 feet of water and I dove down to shoot it and I was using a, an Andre gun uh, with a uh, breakaway system. And yeah. I had just grabbed the Andre gun and, you know, I was so pumped and, you know, ready to go into uh, the water that I grabbed my float line and stupid me, I attached the float line to the Andre gun instead of the shaft. And, <laughs> and instead of the bubble oh, line man. on the shaft. So yeah. Yeah. here comes this big, big um, amber jack in front of me and I shoot it and I hit it. 
and I see the, you know, I see the monoline go, f- going, 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 and, and and I don't see the flow line going anywhere, and I'm like, what's going on here? And oh, then I look at the back. I say, oh, gosh, I connected the phone <laughs> to, the, to the guy, you know? But, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that was your song. That's a good one. That, I that, like that. That, that, was, that, that was hilarious, but very sad at the same time. <laughs> and I lost yeah, the shot before been that. And another time, actually, um, and this has to do with TD also. Um, <laughs> yeah, I went out with Aaron, and we were just, it was him, my buddy JD, who works with Nautilus Spearfishing and yep. my buddy john and we were diving out of miami and it was grouper season that had opened last year and it was like five or six days into the season and we were fishing and we had a good time we were producing a lot of fish but i heard that my boat was having a lot of issues uh, my prop was making this really cranking noise like clack, 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 clack. What, ha- what happened is that water had gotten into the lower unit so my lower unit was about to give up and you know, uh, we caught fish and we were going to move to another spot. And when all of a sudden I hear my lower unit on the motor go, bah, 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 making this thingy, uh, cracking, you know, and I'm like, hold on guys. So I put the boat in neutral, which is the worst thing that I should have done. I shouldn't have stopped the boat. And as soon as I stopped the boat, I just couldn't get the motor to turn on again because, um, you know, the lower unit had already, uh, gotten stuck with all the metal and stuff. So I kind of screwed it up. And the boat <laughs> broke down. <laughs> so the boat broke down. And wow. the funny thing is that um, um, we call Boat US, which is like the towing service here for boats. And while they were coming to pick us up, we were drifting uh, over one of my fishing spots. And I told the guys, you know what? We, we're coming over a very nice rock. Um, let's anchor right in front of the rock. So we waited as we drifted uh, by the rock and we anchored. And we all jumped in, and I saw this very beautiful black grouper um, that I was stalking, but he got away from me. But my buddy JD saw it, and he shot it. So, yeah, by the time the boat US gets to us, uh, we're all getting on the boat, and with uh, another fresh catch, you know, with the broken boat. <laughs> 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 so, it, was just a, it was just a bitter, sour moment as well, you know? Like, hey, yeah, yeah, we got yeah. a good fish, but yeah, the boat is broken. <laughs> Uh, uh, you go $900 to fix the lower unit. <laughs> you know. Uh, <laughs> got a lot of bites. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have one. Yeah. All right, TD. What's in your dive bag, buddy? What's in my, what's in my dive bag? Okay. Yeah. Actually, it's more like a dive bucket. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, I use a bucket. I don't I don't take my dive bag out of that anymore. I mean, it's full of dust. I'll take a picture and send it over to you. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my dive bucket, I have my mask. I have two masks, three snorkels, uh, my weight belt with like three, like uh, some additional weights. Um, what else do I have in there? I got my knife, weight belt, snorkels, um, my towel, my rash guard, uh, my socks, my gloves. Um, pretty, ma- Beta. <laughs> pretty much everything that goes in the dive bag goes into my dive bucket. What, and- uh, what, uh, what sort of gloves are you using? Um, Salvimar. Salvimar. The green. They're lasting well. Huh? They're lasting well. The the last. Like I don't understand what you said. Sorry. Do, are they hard? Are they hard wearing? Are they what? 
<laughs> Do, are they are they pretty tough? Are they lasting? Yeah, they're pretty a long tough, time? man. Uh, yeah, I've had it for years, and every time that I have to get it replaced, it's because I lose them. <laughs> but uh, I, I usually lose it like, man, the ones that I, the last pair that I lo- I lost, I didn't lose the pair. I just lost my right hand. <laughs> and my right hand, I lost it like I, I had it for like close to three years. Um, yes, yeah. Shock, so, shock attack. <laughs> shock. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, what? Um, say it again. Say it again. Go ahead. Go, go. No, no. I was just saying, Shark Attack. You said I lost my right hand. I was just making a pretty bad dad joke. I just thought you'd like it because you're a dad too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. But uh, I reckon for this dive bag, why don't we have a look what's in your uh, your camera bag? So. When you say you're using a DSLR, what sort of DSLR are you using? Okay, so I use a Nikon D7100 mm-hmm. uh, nice. for all my video stuff. And yep. my hardcore photography, I use a frame uh, Nikon D700, um, which, which is all manual. It's an all manual camera. And the housing that I use is Aquatica. Um so I use Aquatica with a nine-inch dome from Aquatica. Um, I've always had Aquatica. And this is my second Aquatica housing that I have. Uh, the first one, I actually lost it to the ocean, TD. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it fell. It and fell. Couldn't find it anywhere. It was it was horrible. It was heartbreaking. Wow. And what sort of uh, – so for underwater work, what sort of lens would you be using regularly? Well – I use actually a 15, what I use, what I've been using for years and I haven't changed. It's a 15 millimeter Sigma. Um, yeah. It's a fixed lens. Um, it's a fisheye lens. And I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't scuba dive at all. So I don't worry about having to zoom in with my lens or anything like that. Um, all, all the zooming that I do, I do it manually. Pretty much me getting closer or further away from the subject that I'm photographing or filming. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, if you're doing scuba stuff and you want to get really creative with macro or whatnot, you could get other lenses. Um, and but you have to also uh, spend money on a, on a, on a gear, uh, so you could use your zoom. And not only that, but you will need a uh, port extensions extensions as well. So with what I have with the with the rig that I have, uh, I just got the housing and the dome port, so I don't have to use any extensions or anything like that because the lens fits right in, you see? Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's what I've used for, for years, and I love it because you get the width that you need when you're on the water, um, and you could get a lot within the frame when using a 50mm uh, Sigma. Now, for anybody that's going to use the 50mm Sigma, you just have to make sure that you could actually use that lens with your camera, um, if it is either a Nikon or Canon, or, or, or Canon, um, not all cameras bring the autofocus motor to focus no. 50 millimeter Sigma. So just keep, you know, check on that. Cause I had a couple of buddies having, uh, to buy the lens and doesn't really work on the camera. So they have to change the camera. All right. So what about, uh, tripods? Is there a brand or type, um, that you would recommend? Actually, my tripod is only, uh, $15. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, that, that's for the tripod. I, I don't really stress the tripod much. Um, I only use the tripod, um, when shooting at night, lone exposure. Um, like if I want to, uh, do lone exposure at night, uh, when taking photos or when filming, um, for example, right now, 
if you want to do a really cool uh, scene, an intro introduction scene, um, you could use your tripod and that will help you a lot for the titling of that scene, you know, because otherwise without the tripod, if you want to do an intro scene, um, you know, if you're holding the camera, it's going to get shaky. So that's going to make your title look kind of weird. And, and that's something that I learned, um, the hard way when I started producing Spearhead's video. So if you want to get creative with the tripod, you could film a beautiful scenery and you could get very beautiful titles up here. And you could, I mean, you could get creative, uh, you know, for intro uh, clips like that with the tripod. You could pan, just make sure that if you're going to get a tripod, make sure you have a handler, uh, like a little handle that, and, and a very smooth, um, um, mount where, where where you put the camera on uh make sure that's very smooth when uh turning to the sides and stuff in case you ever want to use it to uh do panning work to pan to the sides you know and so, yeah, no. so that's that's what we use the tripod for but something that's very important if you want to get nice and smooth uh videos uh use a glide cam uh, a glide cam is a stabilizer that i use um with weight in the bottom and mm -hmm. that allows me to actually, um, uh, you know, get nice and smooth uh, video clips of my subject uh, without without it being so shaky. Um, so if you if you're just using, you know, if you're only filming and holding the camera uh, with your hand, I mean, you're gonna have a bit more difficult time when it comes to editing and fonting the clip. Um, so Glycam, you could go to, you could find them on online. You could Google Glycam and that's a great tool. It's about $200 by the way. <laughs> uh, but that's trying to link that up. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a great tool for stabilizing your videos. It's, it's very good. You could jump with your camera and you know, your video is still going to look pretty stable without not, not so shaky at all. You know? So yeah. Well, that's our, that's our camera bag wrapped up. So what do we got now, Shrek? Fast five facts for noobs. If you were starting out videoing all over again, Jose, mate, mate, do you want to do videoing or do you want to do spearfishing? Oh, whatever. What what is our get? What do you want to do, Jose? What I want to do, um, hmm. I want to do you both. Want to do I want to do okay, both. Okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Do both, man. Far away. Okay. Yeah. So um, if you're gonna start filming, you're probably gonna start with a GoPro. Um, if you're going to do a GoPro, uh, you could just shoot the GoPro without the red filter. Um, like I said, red filter is going to make your surface shot a lot more difficult to edit the, the red rather than editing the blue. So, um, yeah, start with the GoPro. Learn the ins and outs of the GoPro. You could shoot uh, 1080 at 16 frames per second with the GoPro and get some really good uh, clips that you could work some really good slow motion uh, anything if you want to do slow motion clips um, Shoot 60 frames per second or higher 60 frames per second 120 or even higher than that uh, Okay, that, that would allow you to do some mega slow motion without so many stuttering without the clip stuttering You know when uh, on the video so you will get a nice and smooth uh, slow motion scene so 60 frames per second or higher and okay. 1080, so you could have really good quality video. And yep. don't use the red filter. 
people yep. that make the real filters are probably going to hate me, but yeah, that, that's a waste of money, in my opinion. You know, um, I mean, if you just if if you are just going to use a real filter for on the water and you don't care about the surface, by all means, go ahead, do it, uh, because that will automatically neutralize the blue on the water. Um, but um, if you worry about the surface, it, the real filter is just going to be an obstacle for you. You know. Um, so we as spirits, we, we, we care about all the shots in the surface, on the water. So we want to make sure that, you know, that, um, that our shots are good. So we don't want any, we want as little obstacle as possible when editing our videos, you know? Um, so we don't use the red filter. So yeah, okay, cool. that's, that's the tip. And the other thing is that if you're going to start uh, photographing, um, my advice to you guys is to actually um, uh, practice manual. Uh, shoot manually. Don't. I mean, if it's easier for you to shoot automatically with the auto option, that's fine. But try to learn your manual option, your manual setting. Play with the aperture. Play with the shutter speed. Play with the ISO on the camera. Experiment with it, um, and and you know get you know understand it. If, if you yep. have any questions, please, by all means, you could always text me. Uh, you could always message me, and I could give you my feedback in regards to um, manual shooting. But, um, okay. yeah, absolutely, learn manual. That's the way to go. Okay, cool. So I've got a, a really good GoPro tip there for starting to film, and you said, you know, like for photography, make sure you're using the manual controls and play around with the aperture and the ISO and the shutter speed. Do you, do you recommend them to do that on dry land? Uh, before they take it to the ocean absolutely um if you're gonna if you're gonna shoot manual learn it first on dry land because if you're shooting to uh to low shoulder speed um you're gonna get a blurry photograph so there's a lot that goes into shooting manual so you have to understand the first and feel comfortable on land before you take it to the ocean and once you take it to the ocean it's going to be a small learning curve because of light um light works very different under the water, then on land. Uh, just a little hint for you guys. Um, light uh, is very good in the first 15 feet of water on the water. But once you start passing 15 feet of water, it starts getting, you know, light gets observed by the water. So when you reach 30, 40 feet, there's less yellow, there's a lot more blue. When you reach 50, 60 feet, it's pretty blue down there, you know? Uh, okay. so you're not going to get any yellows or red unless you're using a flash or something like that. You know, um, I still managed to squeeze out the yellows and reds, uh, when shooting, you know, like 40, 50 feet of water. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just a learning curve. I mean, because like I said, light gets observed by water. So get comfortable with it on land and then start getting comfortable with using your, manual settings on the water so you could know how to best squeeze out the uh, yellows and reds um, in deeper water, you know? Uh, All right, cool, man. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You, you've given us plenty there for photography yeah. for people to think about. <laughs> there you go. Um, if you've got, if you had, do you have five pieces of advice for someone starting spearfishing? Uh-huh. So, number one, uh, get educated. Spearfishing is a very dangerous sport. Free diving is a very dangerous sport. So learn about free diving. Take an FII class. Just take any free diving course that you know that, that that's accessible to you. 
could be FI, it could be immersion, it could be anything, okay? But just get yourself educated. It could be Patty. Patty's also doing now um, um, free diving, uh, free diving uh, courses. Uh, Spear, by the way, Aaron, he's now also a FI instructor. So it's Andrew. Uh, there's a lot of instructors out there, guys. Um, cool. So definitely get educated because this could save your life uh, one day. Uh, free diving is a beautiful sport. It's amazing, but it is dangerous. We deal with a lot of there's a lot of factors out there that goes that go against us. We got crazy borders in the water. We got sharks, and the most dangerous thing of all is blacking out. So understand it, see how it works, learn the science of free diving, and get out there. Um, the other advice is actually dive with a buddy. Um, dive with a buddy because even, I mean, anything happens to you, uh, who are you going to rely on to save your life? A buddy. Yep. A buddy. And, cool. and, and number three, don't just pick yep. anybody. Pick a buddy that you could you know, rely on. Pick somebody that you trust with your life. Because unfortunately, there's been a lot of free diving accidents where their free diving buddy shoot their, their friend, you know? So you don't yeah. end up with a shaft in your head, in your lungs, or in your legs, or in your balls. <laughs> it's happened, you know. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You might want to cut <laughs> nah, that. No, 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 But uh, yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to end up with a shaft in your body. <laughs> you know. Uh, so just just make sure that your that the guy you're diving with knows what they're doing, and uh, what else. So I got number one, get educated, do a freediving course. Number two, dive with a buddy. And number three, pick a reliable buddy, not someone that's going to shoot you in the balls. <laughs> so, <laughs> I might. Tip number four. Uh, number four, I love this one. Get rid- don't use pneumatic guns. That's what it started, that's what it started with. Uh, and I, you know, I later realized that it wasn't the best option for spearfishing, in my opinion. Uh, pneumatic guns are very loud. It's like an atomic bomb on the water. Whenever you shoot it, boom, oh, wow. boom. it's like shooting in a shot <laughs> on the water, you know? So okay. uh, stick to uh, guns with bands. Um, there is, it's like using an arrow, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's still going to make noise, but not as bad as a pneumatic gun, you know? I remember cool. I would say pneumatic gun and all the, you know, I would hit the fish, but everything else would just disappear for miles, you know? Uh, awesome. So, so yeah, stick to band gun. And number five, get a mentor. Get a, get a mentor. mentor. Uh, Love it. Somebody that could, you know, uh, I mean, when it comes to free diving and spear fishing, you never stop learning. Uh, this yeah, look. It's evolving. Um, so get somebody that knows more than you, learn their ways, and you know, I mean, oh, having a mentor is is a it's a very good thing. So yeah, yeah, I've been mentoring Turbo for years. He's still got a long way to go, but yes, uh, I know what you mean. So, yeah. Um, all right, Jose, I'm gonna link up uh your social profiles on Facebook and Instagram so people can come along and follow you there. You you've been running some competitions lately, giving away some of your fantastic uh, photography. Yep. Um. I'll also link up the Spearheads YouTube channel where uh, guys can check out some of the awesome films you guys have put together. Um, is there anything else you want our listeners to come and have a look at? Yeah, check out my website. I got some pretty cool products that I've been releasing. Um, and stay tuned for um, the next Spearheads episode. Uh, we got a couple of really cool products. Uh, videos coming out the next spearheads awesome. uh episode is going to be uh it's out of costa rica and wow. we got some really cool videos also coming out of timmy knight 
uh, and Chris Coates um, during the month of April. They were here in the yeah. state. So we were able to capture that on video and we, you know, we're going to release that very soon. And yeah, we, we got some very cool videos coming out. So stay tuned for that. And also uh, follow my social media. Uh, I got some much more giveaways coming up in the next few days. I'll be giving away cell phone cases with my foot, uh, with my work on it. I will yeah. be also giving away buffs. Um, I don't know what you guys call buffs in Australia. Probably call it buffs. Yeah, face face okay. shields or buffs. Yeah. 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 So we'll be giving yeah. away some of those as well. And I've seen some of yours. That cool. Thanks, man. And man. I'll be giving away more prints. And um, soon enough, I'll be giving away a free photography session to a lucky winner. So I'll oh, be, nice. I'll, yeah, I'll be announcing that um, in the near future. But that's coming up. Very good. Well, just letting you know, we 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 accept freebies here at the Noob Spear as well. So just saying. <laughs> you got it, brother. You got it. Uh, yeah. I'm just joking with you, man. Nah, man. I'm just yeah, okay. You you you'll get something for sure. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm, I'm just really, we'll, we'll, really we'll work out the logistic later. <laughs> yeah. Nah, it's been uh, it's been awesome to have you on the show, Jose. I'll, yeah. I'll, uh, I think I tried to book you maybe. Maybe a year ago, and before we even had Aaron and Andrew on the show, I was reaching out to you because uh, Turbo and I both love your photography. Yeah. You, you've got a style that's all of your own, and uh, I hope I hope you uh, you know keep having success with it all the way into the future, man. Because uh, you got a good thing going. Thanks, guys. You as well. You as well. You got something very good going as well. And thank you so much for having me on the show. I really that means a lot to me. You know, um, ah. really appreciate. It. I'm, I feel honored to be on your show. Ah, thanks, ah, awesome, for coming, man. man. Awesome. Catch you later, man. Thanks, Isaac. All right, guys. Sounds good. Thanks. Thanks for joining us for our first episode in 2017 with Jose Dabasa. A big thank you to Jose and his family um, for joining us on the show. It was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for that. And if you would like to check out more of Jose's work, head to josedabasaphotography.com. He's got a bunch of stuff up there for sale as well. Some of his prints, which are absolutely amazing. He's got some other cool stuff like gators or buffs, whatever you want to call them, with his prints on them, which look great as well. So check out that. Now, our next episode for 2017, well, we actually don't know what we're going to release yet. So it's going to be a bit of a surprise for all of us. And uh, we look forward to bringing that episode, whatever it may be, to you next week. So once again, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Big thank you to our sponsor, Adreno Spearfishing Supplies. You can find Adreno in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. They are one of the biggest and best spearfishing stores in the world and stock a full range of spearfishing gear, more than you could ever imagine. So check them out in store, or if you prefer to shop online, check them out at spearfishing.com.au and do yourself a favor, at checkout, use the code NOOBSPEARO to save yourself $20 on all purchases over 200 so that is spearfishing.com.au and use the code NoobSpearo at checkout. Thanks for listening to today's episode. It was an absolute cracker. I thought I was exceptional. Shrek, you, you're okay. So <laughs> if you would like to connect with us further, get on to noobspiro.com and check out our email newsletter. It comes out once a month. It's full of the happenings and goings on around the place and some great deals on there from our sponsor, Adreno. Now, further than that, if you are a fan, need a new shirt or even just a grease rag, check out Noob Spiro's new line of shirts. 
Uh, so that's in our store there. And Shrek, what can they do if they want to become truly a master of spearfishing? Yeah, look, Noob Spiro Podcast is always about helping people to become better spearos, and we have condensed and combined some of that information along with our own experience into an ebook that you can find on Amazon.com. It's called 99 Tips to Get Better at Spearfishing, the actionable information you need to improve your spearfishing. Also, guys, quick request, uh, wherever you listen to the show, leave us a review. It helps other people find the show, and uh, it's always good to be chatting with you. Looking forward to getting in your ears again in another fortnight. Thanks for listening, guys, and hope you nail a big one. Hey, guys, Turbo here. Now, this episode is quite literally due to be sent off and be edited right now, but I just had some late-breaking news. Our friends at Penetrator Freediving Fins are giving away a set of Patriot Edition freediving fins to one lucky USA resident. So I don't know the full details on the competition because I've literally just found out about it, but I thought I'd squeeze it in anyway. To find out full details on the competition, uh, visit them on Facebook at Penetrator Fins or at Penetrator.Fins, and uh, all the details will be up there on how to enter, and uh, you can have a good look at those fins. They look absolutely amazing. They're, They're a carbon set actually, with a uh, USA theme on them. So check them out and uh, best of luck.